Uh, earlier this week, I believe it was this week, well, what did it say, Wednesday? It was either this week or late last week. I was on Alec Lace show, and it was an amazing discussion. And Alec is the host, uh, is the host of the podcast, First Class Father. And since we were celebrating, why? So what did I mean, First Class Fatherhood. Sorry about that. First Class Fatherhood. And since we were celebrating White History Month, and this is Manhood Hour, I asked Alec to come on, and he's here. Alec, welcome to the show. Jesse, it's an honor to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you being here. I wanted to, you know that, oh, and by the way, happy White History Month. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Are you white? Apparently, yes, uh, I am. Not by choice, but uh, this is uh, how, it, how it came out. What, it feel, what is it like for you being white and now in America it's, it is illegal to be white and to not be a quote-unquote racist? What does that feel like for you? What is that like personally for you? Well, it's been a great experience. You know, everything is pretty much handed to me. I don't have to work for anything. I get, you know, uh, I can have somebody else go to the bathroom for me if I want. Uh, everything is pretty much taken care of, you know, for me and my family, where we can just coast right through the end here to the pearly gates. <laughs> Do you feel afraid for your family or your life at this point? Absolutely not, uh, Jesse. Uh, I, I fear no one but God, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I think that uh, what we're seeing right now is really an election year and we're seeing all this stuff getting drilled up and it's really to, to control people's emotions. We've seen this with the coronavirus to control you by fear or, or, or by, um, you know, worry about your health. And we've seen it with the race riots to control you with your anger. And these are just tactics that have been going on, I think, for a very long time. And it's a manipulation game that if you allow it uh, into, into your mind and take over your mind, it's, it's going to play out in your life. So um, I, I think I think it was uh, Jim Rohn who once said, uh, you know, we have to be aware of the thief on the street that's after our purse, but you got to be aware of the thief in your mind that's after your promise. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of people. They're Absolutely. allowing it into their mind and it's, you know, controlling uh, their entire life. What do you think? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think of when you see white men and women bowing down to black radical fat lesbians? Uh, the so-called founder of the Black Lives Matter, they're washing their feet and they're doing all these crazy things. What do you think of that when you see it happening? Uh, I, I think it's been uh, that they've allowed it to take over their thoughts. I think they're not thinking for themselves. I mean, they're just following the crowd. I think that's like the, the 97 percent. I mean, if people, you, just, you know, don't think for themselves and they're just going to do what they think uh, they should be doing by based on what other people are doing. They just follow the crowd. And what will the end be for those people? Um, whatever the next trend comes, uh, that's where they're going to go. They're going to go where they're told, I think. You know, if, if tomorrow they told everybody you got to wear, you know, pink underwear, everybody would be walking around with pink underwear. I mean, once they turn the machine on, they'll get you to go in any direction that you want. So uh, whatever the next program is, will be the next thing that they follow. Joel, is Alec, will Alec, if I play a soundbite, will Alec be able to see it? Not see it. Oh, you can't see it. You can hear it, though. Alec, I want to play a soundbite for you and get your response to it. I just it just occurred to me right now. You can't see it, but you'll be able to hear it. There's this woman by the name of Robin D'Angelo, and she was on CNN, I guess. 
and she spoke on white people and what they can do about racism. I want to play this for you and get a response. Here we go. In this particular moment of racial unrest and visibility, heightened visibility of racial injustice, the question of what can I do is on so many white people's minds. The first one is to remove from your vocabulary the following claim, I'm not racist. The second task is to spend the rest of your life grappling with the question of what it means to be white. How has your race shaped every aspect of your life from the moment that you took your first breath? The third task is to take out a piece of paper and write down your answers to the following question. How have I managed to be a full functioning professional adult and not know what to do about racism? You can never understand what you need to understand about racism if you only listen to white people or engage with their work. Read everything you can by people of color, listen to people of color, watch their videos, turn your attention also to, to hearing what people of color and black people have been telling us for centuries. What do you say to that? Uh, I, I think it's a short-minded ideology there. I, I mean, I could listen to, you know, several black uh, authors that I read. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Les Brown. I mean, I, I think they would disagree with uh, the statement there. But I, I think, Jesse, this is just a, a philosophy here of trying to pit people against one another with the dividing them by this whole race issue. You know, it's really it's only a matter of, uh, you know, you taking control of your own life. And I think that's what this whole movement is about, is about passing the buck, putting responsibility on other people to make you feel better about what you're doing. And I think, I mean, a lot of the part that I talk about on my show is the fatherless crisis that we have in our country. We don't have, we have so many kids that are growing up without a father figure in their life. Um, and, and they don't have that discipline in their life. They don't have that family structure. Uh, and, and then they're, they're very easily shaped and molded by society and they get them to put them in any direction that they want. And they blame. It's a victim mentality. It's been going on. It's this uh, every kid gets a trophy mentality, a victim mentality. The world owes you everything. Um, and I, I think it's a poisonous mentality that we've been seeing the results of it throughout the country. To hear this woman say this is pure evil. She looked evil. She is evil for promoting such a lie, such a setup. And I can't imagine why one white person would buy her book. I see why the blacks, not all, not all, not all, but most of the blacks would buy it because they are catering to her, building up their ego. But I don't know why one white person would buy a book like that. Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with you, Jesse. Uh, I don't know why anybody would buy a book like that. And uh, I, I just think it comes down to... Um, you know, look, no matter uh, what race or what color you are, we all have certain challenges in life. I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic and an addict, and my white skin didn't help me through that process. Right. It didn't help me get off the booze. It didn't help me get off. You know what I mean? I lost my parents at an early age, you know, in my, in my early 20s. I lost both of my parents, and my, my, my white skin didn't help me overcome the grief of that. I mean, we all face these challenges in life, Jesse, and this is just a game that's being played. Uh, does racism, racism exist? Absolutely. Uh, of course it does, but it's not the dominant factor that's um uh that's dominating our country uh i think it's it all comes back to you and what you could do to make a change and, and that's what's happened to me in my life listen jesse i'm a guy that one time i got a lifetime banned from giant stadium at one point in my life fast forward i was invited <laughs> by the nfl i was invited by the nfl to come to the super bowl and i interviewed all the players including tom brady so it's 
it wasn't the uh, economy that changed or anything else that changed. It was me who changed. And, and that's what, what, what is the um, is what's going to make the difference in everybody that's out there asking for something for nothing. Absolutely. And you say that did you just say that racism exists? Um, I, I think there's racist people that exist. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't and think. And where's the, your um, proof of that? Well, I, I would say like some, something like a uh, maybe a Dylan Roof that shot up uh, people that's saying that he did it because they were black people or so, somebody like that. I mean, I, I would think that there's people that or it's an it's a it's a thing that they're taught. You know, uh, it's, you know, I think it's a taught hatred that they have that they hate people of certain color because they've been told to hate those people of color. So if Dylan Roof killed because he hated, how would that make racism? Well, because he killed people because of the color of their skin. That's not why he did it. He did it because, according to all the reports that I've read, he did it because at one time he had a bunch of black friends. He was into the black thing, too. Then he found out that blacks were killing whites more so than whites killing blacks, and he became angry. And in that anger, he went and did that. He did not hate people because of their color. And and the reason I want to really emphasize on that, because men like you, white people have to stop verifying a lie. Racism, there's no such thing as racism, but it's hatred. It's either good or evil, right or wrong. And Dylan Roof became angry, so he did it out of hate, not out of color. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's hatred here. This is a battle of good and evil that's going on here. So why promote why promote this lie of racism? White people verify this for the blacks, and that's what they have done for the last 70 years or so. And that's why the blacks are out of control now, because white people are saying, yes, there is racism. So whites are admitting their racism when it doesn't really exist at all. And instead of right or wrong, somebody got to speak the truth instead of verifying this lie in the minds of most black people. Well, also, Jesse, like I said, uh, this is a uh, an obvious uh, this has been being done intentionally. I mean, this is being done to divide the people. There's no doubt about that. This is to get white against black, Christian against Muslim, uh, gay against straight, Republican against Democrat. This is all being done on purpose. So why push There's the no idea of racism that. then? Why push that idea when black people kill white people because of their color? Is that racism? Uh, I, I would th- I, I would think if, if you kill somebody solely because of their, that they're white, I mean, I don't know, you know, obviously, if you kill anybody, obviously, there's uh, there's hatred in your heart and there's evil that's consumed you. Um, so how how you want to paint that? I mean, you, you could kill somebody because they're gay. I mean, we see that across the world. People are being killed, just you know, thrown off rooftops because they're gay. I mean, if you're killing somebody for a specific reason, I mean, uh, uh, you could call it racism, call it hate, call it evil. Um, I think it's all part of the same uh, ideology. So when black people kill white people, it's racism? I would, I mean, I would think so. If, if you, unless the guy banged your sister or something like that, and you kill him because you're upset with that. But if you <laughs> if you kill the guy because he's totally just because he's a white guy, a random act of violence, and you're just going to go out and look for a white guy to kill, um, I guess that would classify like as a, as a you know racist killing. I mean, I don't know. So when black people kill white people because of their color, that racism? Uh, yeah. Hundred percent. I would think so. I would think it works both ways. I think it, 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 you know, if if you're out to do that, um, listen, I, I'm not a defender of racism here, Jesse. I don't. I don't think that that's. I know, but when you said it, in our, when you said it about Dylan Roof, it just rolled off your tongue. But when I ask you about black people killing whites, 
is a hesitation to let it roll off your tongue. Right. I couldn't give you the example uh, of right now of the uh, of somebody that's black. Like I said, Dylan Roof was one that popped up to my head. That's one that's been uh, that that they push in the media. So that's the one that I pick. Uh, it's yeah. just the same way around. Just, just Jesse. I mean. We, we talk about the police that are killing uh, unarmed black people. They've killed many unarmed white people, but we can't name any of them because they're not told to us. So it's like we, yeah. we, we don't walk around with T-shirts of their names, say their names or any of this, because we don't know who they are. That's not reported. We're not shown the videotapes of it. We don't see it. And there's been unarmed white people killed by police. We just don't know who they are. So it's like the narrative is pushed in one direction, and uh, that's all we know. Well, one thing I can assure you, nobody killed no one because of their color. They kill them because they hate them. They're angry about something. And so that's why they do it. But the children of the lie, instead of pushing the truth about it, it was due to hatred so that people can return to love. They would say it's because of the color, because they want to divide and conquer. I agree with that. I got to ask you, uh, Alec, what is a man? Uh, to me, somebody who takes responsibility for their own actions. Uh, I, I think that's uh, the key ingredient there. So somebody that's not looking to pass the buck and blame other people. Um, I, I think we, and that's what we're seeing a lot of in, in our country right now. You have a lot of, uh, I would call toxic man. They, they, we hear the word toxic masculinity, which I don't know really what they're talking about when they mention <laughs> that. But to me, to me a, a toxic man would be somebody that has children walks away from that child's life and is never involved in their life and goes and has another child and continues to repeat the same thing. Um, I, I consider that to be a toxic man. I think uh, being a man is being responsible for your own actions, leading by example and helping people become better in their life by through your example and through your words. I want to ask you about first class fatherhood, but I first want to know, do most men leave their children or do they leave the woman, the mother of the children, because they can't handle her? Yeah, and you made a great point when you were on uh, my podcast, Jesse. About and thanks for having me on, I, man. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great conversation. And I do get this from a lot of – I have a lot of single dads that listen to the show. And, and the number one excuse that they do give for not being in involved in their child's life is you don't understand what the, what, the, what the mother put me through. Yeah. And that's always the number one thing that I hear is, like, you don't understand what I had to go through. A lot of these guys have gone broke trying to get lawyers to fight for 50 percent uh, uh, custody. And even when, when they get the custody, there's always an issue. So it becomes – it consumes their life, and they're, and they're always in this state of anger against the mother and, and and the child now becomes just a tool in this um broken marriage and i think this is a big part of it too like see my my, my podcast focuses on the fatherhood aspect jesse it's yeah. not a marriage podcast i don't focus on that but i know that that is the root of so many of these problems is the relationships between the men and the women between the fathers and the mothers because once that that breaks down all of a sudden now it becomes about me versus you and not us together united uh, to, where everybody benefits and, and everyone's moving forward. It becomes well, my life now takes center stage. My ego takes over. I got to get mine. I don't lot of, I, I can't allow her to get this. And it becomes that battle uh, between the parents and the child suffers 100% of the time in those instances. And instead of the mother being honest, whether they're married or unmarried or just living together, whatever, instead of the mother of the children being honest about that, she tell them, well, your father didn't love you. Your father left you. She never say, well, you know what, kids? Your father loved you. He did not leave you. He left me because he didn't know how to handle me. He couldn't deal with me. So that the kids can love both parents, and that way this cycle can start to end. But most other mothers turn their children away from their fathers by acting as though the father left 
the kids, and it's just not true. Yeah, that's happened. In my uh, my wife is a, a victim of that, uh, Jesse. My my wife, her parents are not involved in her life, so my parents are not here. Uh, her parents are here, but they're not involved in our in her life or our kids' lives. So our, our kids have no grandparents because of that, and that's all because of a very bad divorce. And it was the mother that hated the father. Yeah. The father would even say to my wife, "Man, you remind me so much when I look at you of your mother," and it really burns them up. Like so, it's like it, it created a catastrophe there. And it happens to so many kids. It's because they become now just a tool in this thing uh, of, of hatred between the mother and the father. And it's and it's really having a devastating effect on our society. And so your podcast, you're the host of the podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Explain First Class Fatherhood and what do you hope to gain from doing this? Well, the whole um, uh, vision of the show, Jesse, is to try to change the narrative on fatherhood and family life. So many young men have this idea that having children starting a family is like the worst thing you could do. They have it. They have this. I, I drive Uber as a part time gig and I hear it from a lot of the young men. When I tell them I have four kids, they usually look at me like I got four heads. So like four <laughs> kids, what are you crazy? And it's like something that they, they would never consider doing in their mind. That's something they're going to put off till much later if at all. So what, what I'm trying to do with the show is to try to show these guys, not through me, you don't have to listen to me, but listen to these guys that come on that have really just crushed it in life and have accomplished some really great things. Uh, Super Bowl MVPs, a Navy SEAL team, six operators, uh, entrepreneurs that are worth half a billion dollars. Listen to these guys talk and they say, you know what, despite all these accomplishments that I've had, it's really only through the experience of becoming a father that's given me the greatest sense of fulfillment in my life. And so uh, I think that's a better testimony to what it's all about. And that's and that's really what I'm trying to get across is like, listen to all these guys. I've had, uh, you know, o o over a dozen uh, Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Famers on the show, over 50 Navy SEALs, four Medal of Honor recipients. I mean, I've had, you know, guys that have really just crushed it, Jesse, in life. And, and, and they talk, you know, they rave about their position as a father. And I think that's a first class position uh, because it's actually the first time that we get that sense of putting somebody else's needs ahead of our own, where we actually, I mean, even more so through marriage, we get that feeling. I did anyway, uh, where uh, I got that feeling of overwhelming love that I would actually do anything uh, for my child. And I think that's, um, that, that, that's a position that we need to, to take seriously. It's a, it's a serious role. And I, yeah. I think that it's, it needs to be um, showcased in, in the way that it is, in the position that it is. It's something to aspire to. It's something to be proud of. And it's a lifestyle um, that you should want to attain to, not these lifestyles that we see portrayed on TV where the single guy is always sleeping around, he's got no responsibility, and they look like, man, that looks like a better life to me than the guy that's always got his head down, he's never getting laid, his wife's always making him do chores around the house, and they get this image like the ball and chain. Oh, we're going to have a bachelor party because once you get married, your life is over. Once you have a baby, oh, let me tell you, it gets worse. <laughs> and we hear all that BS, and it poisons these people's minds. So they go into it with this mentality of, oh, boy, my life's going to suck now. And how bad is it going to get instead of the truth where, wow, my life's just starting here. And, man, is it going to get better with each and every stage? Joel, you know what it means to get late. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard the term. <laughs> he said never get late. Let me ask. Uh, I noticed that a lot of millennials and, and Zoomers are not getting married. They're not interested. Is it because they did not see their fathers dealing with the mother in the right way. And so a lot of these millennial girls and Z girls are out of control. They don't respect that order of life. So is that's why a lot of the men, millennials and Zoomers are refusing to do it because they don't know how to deal with these women? 
Uh, I, I wouldn't know if that's the exact reason. I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. I, I think that the lifestyle of, uh, of ego, and we're living in an age here where everything is about uh, yourself. Everything is on social media. Everyone has their own pages that are like dedicated to themselves. Like, um, you know, the, it's their image that's more important than anything else. Yeah. So I think that's been a poisonous part of this whole thing. And, and yeah, I, I think a, a big part of it comes from uh, learned behavior. We, 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 we mimic what we see, especially when you're growing up. So if you're growing up without a family that's intact, most likely you're going to try to mimic what you see and, yeah. and not get married. So I think that plays into it for sure. I, uh, are you a Christian, Alec? I'm a Catholic. Yes, Jesse. I, I, I'm definitely a faith based person. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm a family that, uh, we, we pray together every day as a family before we eat dinner, we eat dinner together as a family every night. And, uh, you Amazing. know, I keep God first in, in, in my life and everything I do. And that's been a big part of my turnaround, Jesse, uh, for myself. Like I said, I, I was lost for quite a while there and, um, reading really is what put me on a path to change. I mean, just not just reading the, uh, the Bible, which is something that I try to do every day. Uh, but reading in general really opened up my mind and, and, and just reading guys like James Allen and Napoleon Hill and, and different types of philosophy that really opened up my mind that uh, there's different possibilities out there other than the life I was leading. Are you the head of your wife? Uh, I'm the head of the household. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I take on that position. Uh, I feel like um, uh, that's the role that I play is, is as the father of the man of the house. Uh, for uh, sure. Are you the head of your wife? Uh, I'm I'm the husband of my wife. I mean, I don't know about the head of her, uh, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm the uh, I'm her husband for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so, are you the head of your wife? I I would guess so. Yeah. You're not sure. I don't really know what define what you mean by head of my wife. God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, and woman over children. So the love come from God through Christ, through the the husband, through the mother, through the children. Yeah, I would say that's the order that we roll with over here. And how do you deal with her when she wake up in the morning angry about nothing? Oh, listen, sometimes I wake up angry about nothing, you know. So, so uh, <laughs> I, I try to listen uh, to um, uh, what she's saying more. Uh, and I try to be more understanding. I try to listen. Listen, I understand. Uh, I've been married 15 years now. We've had our, um, uh, our trouble during our marriage. Uh, and a lot of it comes from uh, lack of communication. So I try to uh, communicate better. I try to uh, listen first and, and speak slower or, or, or listen quicker and speak slower. I, I try to be more understanding where she's coming from, see things through her eye and work together to try to come up with a better solution to whatever the issue may be. Do you correct her when she's wrong? Um, I, I, I I don't think I correct her more as like, uh, we'll have more of a conversation about why you think it's this way, why I think it's that way. And then we come up with a better um, solution to, to all things. I mean, we, you know, just, just from whether it be uh, buying a house or, or moving to a new location or stuff like that, when it comes to those big ticket items, I think it's uh, important that we both uh, lay on the table here, what our vision is for the future. And as long as we can line that up together, uh, I, I think it's the best interest of, of us and for our kids. But it's your job given to you by God to correct her when she's wrong. Why not correct her so she can come out of that fallen state? Well, I don't think I, don't, I mean, I, I don't see her in a fallen state. I, I just think that I don't think it's I don't think it's my job to correct her. I think it's my job to, you know, lead by example of, of how I see things. And, and listen to her. I don't think I know everything. I don't think I'm in a position where I'm the smartest guy in the room. And if I'm usually the smartest guy in the room, I try to find another room, you know, because I'm always trying to, to grow, learn 
educate myself and, 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 and make myself better. So I think my wife makes me a better person, and I hope I do the same for her. How does she make you a better person? Because she makes me, she challenges me to think and see things in a different way. I mean, sometimes I, I, I can get stubborn in my own way and, uh, and and not look at another angle. And then if I get caught in that, uh, that's not helping anybody else. So I've been able to uh, be a, become a better listener, uh, and and, um, and and that's improved my life in a lot of different ways. So when you you say you're not the smartest person in the room, when you and your wife are in the room, only you and your wife in a room, are you the most logical person in the room? Well, listen, I, I'll argue that point for sure. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I, I, I will. Uh, I'll go with that. But uh, she, she may have a, a, a different suggestion. It depends on the topic. I mean, sometimes I'm out of my realm in a lot of topics. Sometimes, uh, you know, you throw Jeopardy on and ask that question. You may get a different answer. What is love? I think I, I, I think love is is the ability to put somebody um, uh ahead of your own interest in, in a sense, like love, loving somebody in a sense where, um, you know, you, you would, you would allow that person, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Um, I, 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 you know what, Jesse, to be honest with you, I don't know how I would really define it. I don't know how I would define the word, the, the word love. I would just say for me, in my instance, it's somebody that is in the sense of my wife. It's somebody that has changed me completely, opened my mind, opened my heart and changed me as a person and, and, and awakened a lot of feelings in me um, that I never knew that existed before. And, and my wife, I feel um, I feel better when I'm around her. When it comes to my children, I think love is is people uh, in my life that I would do anything for, that I would sacrifice my life for, and, and I would give, I would lay my life down for my children. And I think it's a different type of love that I have for my children than I do for my wife. So I don't think love, in a sense, has just one meaning or definition. Um, I, I think it's different depending on who you're talking about. Is a part of love uh, correcting your wife when she's wrong? Um, I... I I, I don't say I, I would say I don't know about correcting. I, I think, yeah, if, if, if she's doing something that I think that could be uh, harmful, then yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily a part of it. I don't see myself as an authority figure in a sense where I, I think uh, she needs to take responsibility in her for her own life. Only she can do that. I mean, I think change comes from within. It comes from within all of us. I don't think anybody else is responsible for your own happiness. I think everybody is responsible for their own happiness. So. So is a part of love correcting your wife when she's wrong? Yes or no? Uh, I, I, I could go with that. I mean, I, honestly, Jesse, I, I don't think I, I don't think that's a part of how I see uh, uh, love. Alec Lace, how can people get your podcast? You can hear it wherever podcasts can be heard. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'm on YouTube now. Uh, where you can go to firstclassfatherhood.com. Like I said, we focus on the uh, on the fatherhood aspect of uh, of the relationship, Jesse. That's where our focus is, and uh, and correcting our kids when they make the mistakes. Amazing, Alex Lay, Alex Lay. Thank you, man. An amazing conversation, and happy White History Month. Amazing, and don't forget to like, follow, tweet, subscribe, and share the Jesse Lee Peterson Radio Show, folks. We really appreciate it. We are at war. It is a spiritual battle for the soul of America. And it's going to take all of us to do it.